Well, there you are, young man. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. Oh, uh, maybe. <laughs> what do you mean, maybe? What do you think it is, a space helmet for a cow? everyone, and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Mac. And I'm Caleb. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And this week, we will be watching The Time Meddler. The Time Meddler was written by Dennis Spooner, directed by Douglas Camfield, and produced as ever by Verity Lambert. It aired July 3rd, 1965 to July 24th, 1965. And Caleb, I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. I've been really looking forward to this episode. I do genuinely think it's going to be really good. I, I, I think, I, I have faith that this is going to be a good episode. But it's written by the same guy who wrote The Romans. <laughs> <laughs> I was bracing. I was like, he's going to tell me something cringe. And I was like, but it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But I was n- I was not expecting that. <laughs> I was not expecting. He wrote The Romans and The Reign of Terror. I I really expected after The Romans, whoever that guy was, they just packed him into a cannon and like launched him into the fucking sun. Because that's what I would have done. <laughs> uh, but I, this episode, I feel like this episode is going to be good. We just got done recording The Chase. We're recording this now, and we talked a little bit in between. I think it's going to be really good because we get to see the team of Vicky and Steven, and I love both of those characters. So I have faith. But, Caleb, given everything you know about Doctor Who, and given the name of the episode, The Time Meddler, and given that it's written by the guy who wrote the Romans, what do you think this episode's going to be about? Um, hmm. I, th- I think time is going to get broken. To quote, to quote Rick and Morty, you split your time twice. Uh, and, and that's it. I have no fucking idea what this episode's going to be I was going to say, about. do you want to elaborate on what the fuck breaking time twice means? Oh, and so in, there's an episode in Rick and Morty. I think it's called uh, Rickle in Time. All the episodes of Rick and Morty have Rick in the title. They accidentally, like, desync and create two timelines. Uh, and it's because the teenagers are hormonal and indecisive about what they want to do. So every time they're indecisive, it keeps splitting the timeline. Okay. So it starts off with two timelines, and they're like they're only like slightly different, uh, and then it turns into like sixty-four, and it gets really convoluted. <laughs> well, I suppose we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Max, like it's nothing fucking like that even remotely. It's absolutely I do, nothing like that. I have seen one of the brick box thumbnails. There definitely seems to be some sort of actual legitimate time wizard on it. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I have literally no idea. Something about time, and it's not going to work right. It, you could say someone has been meddling with it. Hmm. What an interesting theory you have there. <laughs> with that, I suppose we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. <gasps> And 
And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was... Uh, six days, Six I think. days? Yeah, six days. Yeah, not too bad. Usually check before I do that whole spiel, but I forgot to this time. Mac was very lazy. Oh, yes. So I was very lazy. Unlike me, who definitely did not watch this literally right before we got on. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Here's a, a couple of neat little trivia facts. This is the season two finale, as I think we talked about. I don't remember. This is the season two finale of, of Doctor Who. Um, this is also the first time that the Doctor encounters another Time Lord during his travels other than his granddaughter. Fun fact. Hmm. Interesting. But not the last. I figured it wouldn't be the last. It was too cool of a concept, and they did too poor of a job with it. <laughs> yeah, I... There's a character later that I see, like, the seeds of that character being planted via the monk. <laughs> so mm. I, feel, mm. I feel like there's a character later on who may or may not pull some inspirations <laughs> from this character. So <laughs> you have that to look forward to. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Caleb, in general, what are your thoughts on the Time Meddler? I think it's the best Dennis Spooner episode and okay. if I remember correctly, that's not really saying a lot. <laughs> Granted, yeah, that, that is a pretty low bar because he's written Reign of Terror and <laughs> Romans. But I would agree. I think the Time Meddler is definitely his best by a wide margin. I, I would call it lower middling. Yeah. My, my general opinion is that it has a really slow start. But, like, I really enjoy the last two-ish episodes. I really enjoyed those. And I think it has a good villain that I really like. But I felt kind of the same about it the whole time. Hmm. Okay. Um, I know you said the because we were talking about it earlier. You said the second half was a little bit better. It was it was better in the sense of I felt like it was actually doing something. Mm-hmm. And again, this is a criticism I guess I can make of like several episodes of the show. But I feel like it had a semi interesting concept. And then just really went out of its way not to talk about it. Because, you know, yeah. we, ha- we have this other Time Lord, which I don't think the term Time Lord has been used yet in the show. It has not. It has not. Uh, but we have this other Time Lord, and uh, they have these interesting... I- they have this Vicky and Susan... Vicky and... I almost said Susan. <laughs> Vicky and Steven have this conversation We're, we're going to be about- doing this podcast for three years and still accidentally call companions Susan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But Vicky and Steven are talking, and they have a conversation about, like, well, if you change history, like, it'll change your mind entirely, so no one will even know you changed history. I thought that was kind of cool. Also, the only time it ever gets brought up, really. Uh, yeah. I felt like it spent a lot of the episode just kind of faffing about. Most yeah. of it was just the Doctor getting caught and escaping, and then getting caught again. <laughs> Yeah, it brings up a lot of really interesting concepts and then doesn't explore it, which is why we're here to overthink uh, this episode where the writers clearly didn't. So <laughs> let's get started, shall we? Bada bing, bada boom, my amazing descriptions. <laughs> episode one is The Watcher. The Doctor and Vicky reminisce about Barb and Ian when a strange noise draws their attention. Worried it may be a Dalek, the two prepare themselves to attack when Steven Taylor bursts through the door. Apparently, he nearly escaped the destruction of Mechanus and stowed away on the TARDIS. The ship materializes on a beach, and Vicky and the Doctor try to convince Steven that it is a time machine. However, he doesn't believe them. 
a mysterious person on a nearby cliff watches the TARDIS appear. The group splits up and the mysterious stranger comes to examine the TARDIS. The doctor meets a Saxon woman who tells him about the monks who recently occupied the monastery. Vicky and Steven scare off another Saxon while exploring and find a modern wristwatch. The doctor makes his way to the monastery and finds a gramophone playing a record of monks chanting. A set of bars slide down and block his escape, and the doctor comes face to face with the watcher from the beach. I'm not going to say that it, it's the case in every single story, but I always really, really like the very beginnings when it's just the crew in the TARDIS mm-hmm. just kind of hanging out until they eventually leave the TARDIS. I don't know. I kind of I kind of like it, especially this scene, because the doctor is obviously like still a little bit distraught over Ian and Barbara leaving. And Vicky's like trying to cheer him up. And um, he kind of has like a, a sit down chat with Vicky to like just check in with her and be like, you you want to be here, right? You you don't you don't want to leave. I know it would be difficult for me, but I'm sure I could figure out a way to, like, drop you off somewhere. You, you don't have to stay if you don't want to. And I just I just really liked that that he took the time to have that have that talk. Because uh, I, my next note is it's nice having a crew of people that actually want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I think want is a strong word in Steven's sense. Steven wants to be alive. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he he escaped from Mechanus. Yeah, he wants to not be on Mechanus. So if that means being on the TARDIS, I mean, yeah, I guess. I guess he wants to be there. We don't really know anything about Steven's home life. We don't know if he has anything to go back to. We know Vicky doesn't. And that was something I thought was was a, a little seed that might come back as interesting later when the Doctor says, like, oh, yes, we, we're on Earth, it seems to be. You just kind of see Steven's face drop. I was like, hmm, what's that about? Yeah. I'm I'm intrigued because I remember really really liking Steven, but I I couldn't really tell you why, and I think part of it is because there was a lot of there were a lot of Steven episodes are missing, but from Sad. what I did see, I do remember really liking him. So I'm hoping that that gets explored some more. Steven's handsome, so I like him. He is very <laughs> handsome. Yes, Kylie and I were watching the show, <laughs> and like we're watching this episode together, and she says. Were British men in the 60s that attractive? (laughs) (laughs) Some of them were. Some, I guess. Peter Burvis was, apparently. So, Dennis Spooner wrote The Romans, which was supposed to be the first comedic episode of Doctor Who. But I think this episode has the most number of lines that made me laugh. It's probably one of my favorite first, first Doctor quotes period which is because they've landed on the beach the doctor goes and finds like a viking helmet and goes over to try and prove to steven that this is a time machine and he says you know you are my boy what do you think of that a viking helmet eh, possibly what do you mean possibly what do you think it is a space helmet for a cow <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a good one <laughs> i love that line and like steven still has his little his little panda buddy and they that he puts puts on the chair and then goes over to talk to the doctor and uh Steven's ask, asking like about the ship like what even is this and he's like that's the team that's the dematerializer that's the um, quantum control that's the dimensional stabilizer over there is a chair with a panda on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay yeah those were good bits I guess uh, speaking of the panda surprising lack of Steven talking to it 
Yeah. I really, I really wish she'd go. What, what's the panda's name? I don't remember. Hold on, because I, I really up. just love some some examples of like Mark. What do you think? And then just thirty seconds uncut of Stephen looking at the panda and then coming up with a plan. Hi-fi. It's like low-fi, but high. Oh, hi-fi. Yeah. <laughs> I really, you're you're absolutely right. I wish there were more moments like hi-fi. What do you think? Um, Stephen, hi-fi is talking. Good point, high five. <laughs> <laughs> or or starts laughing and he's like, <laughs> "What's so funny? Oh, you want to get it? <laughs> <laughs> you had to be there." <laughs> yeah, there there was depressingly little high five in this episode, and I hope he comes back because that's a really interesting character characteristic of Stephen that I'm really hoping gets explored more. I've got a fever. And the only cure is more hi-fi. Yeah, we land in the 1100s uh, and dealing with Saxons and Vikings. and But this is another episode where I was like, man, I really wish... I really wish that I knew fucking anything about history because I do not know any of the terms <laughs> that they're throwing out here. Yeah, and like, I get the doctor is like weirdly invested in Earth history or he's mm-hmm. supposed to be really smart. But the doctor seems to know too much. <laughs> Because he's like, ah, yes, let's see if this king is dead and this one is alive and this hasn't happened yet. Then that puts us right before the Battle of Hastings. I'm like, motherfucker, you're not even from Earth. Why do you know that? Yeah, his fascination with the planet Earth is a uh, is a plot point that gets brought up a lot. <laughs> Partic- particularly the boring, dirty bits. Right. And yet somehow they know that he got invaded by Daleks. <laughs> right. And so the doctor goes off to investigate and tells Stephen and Vicky to stay next to the TARDIS. So Stephen and Vicky obviously immediately leave the TARDIS. Naturally. Naturally. Since when does Vicky do what the doctor tells her? Fucking right. It's my job. It's my job to be disobedient and to cause shit. That's what that's how we get stuff done, Doctor. Vicky's too based for that. <laughs> right. We're um recording this on the day that the rescue just came out in our pod in our podcast lineup. And I was re-listening to it, <laughs> and it was just really funny, just being like, "Yeah, yeah, Vicky's all right. She's she seems okay. Uh, she's she's a little bland, but uh, l- looking forward to it." And like now, we're like, "I would fucking die for Vicky." <laughs> <laughs> Vicky is too good. The whole show better be Vicky from here on. Right. Show is now called Vicky Who. I'll take it. <laughs> but there was a weird moment where, like, Vicky and Stephen were hiding in the bushes because some uh, Saxons came by, and Stephen is just like, well, we could always just ask him where to go, and we can we can find our way back. Because he just seems, like, very, like, why don't we just talk to these people? I don't see what the issue is. And then the guy, like, bends down and, like, picks something up from the ground, and, like, a 180 switch. Stephen is like, hey! That guy picked a thing up. Let's get him. And then he just <laughs> tackles him. <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. Especially he's like, hey, did you drop something? And Vicky's like, uh, no, I don't think so. Well, that guy's got something now. I gotta go kick his ass. <laughs> That's a thing? I want a thing. I'm gonna get that thing. Spoiler alert. The thing is a, like a wristwatch. <laughs> it's a wristwatch. Further yeah. adding uh, Stephen's doubt that they are in the 11th century. 12th century. No, it's it's like ten it's like ten sixty six, isn't it? I thought it was like eleven oh seven. Hold on. 
All right, fine. It's set in 1066. Eat my Can't shit. Can't fool me. Can't fool me. Eleventh century. And, and like when you said they ended up in the 1100s, it's like I'm not gonna say anything. It doesn't really matter. And then you try to correct me, so I couldn't let you get away with it anymore. I do really like how the doctor figured out that something was up because he was just like eating some. No, he was drinking some mead in the village, and the uh, the air quote monks were uh, singing their hymns at the monastery, and it skipped. The music track skipped. And he was like, wait, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> it's like, that's not right. Yeah, no, I, I like that moment too. Oh, okay, we're gonna go back to it. I gotta talk about how, like, I can never get over how good mead sounds. Right? No, mead's I, really I don't know good. why. But anytime someone says mead, I'm like, damn, that sounds good. And then I see them drink out of the horn. I'm like, that looks delicious and cool as funk. Right? We went on vacation recently and there was just an entire store that was just honey based so they had a whole lot of meads and they had a they had a mead wine and it was delicious oh my I god that it. sounds so good <laughs> but i was underwhelmed by the big reveal because like when i heard the skip i was like ooh, some weird time skip some weird like it just backed up five seconds for some random reason nope. uh no it's a gramophone very nope. disappointed i thought there was player. gonna be like timey-wimey bullshit and i know that obviously this obviously came out in the 60s but how hilarious would it be if it was just like a 90s boom box <laughs> with like stickers on it <laughs> uh see it skipped because someone uh was walking too hard next to it that's why it skipped <laughs> yes but weirdly i didn't really have any other notes for this episode i think i was just like all right so this is going to be one of those slow ones so i'm just going to kick back and and just relax and enjoy watching it uh yeah pretty much my thoughts too like and like for an intro episode this one is like fine it doesn't linger too long that there's enough mystery going on yeah i really don't have any notes it was, it was functional so i'm ready to go on to episode two if you are yes episode two the meddling monk the monk makes the doctor breakfast and he is still an asshole about it as usual vicky and steven are captured by the saxon villagers the monk mingles with some of the female villagers before spying a viking ship approaching the shore the villagers debate what to do with steven and vicky and one suggests killing them however they are eventually released the vikings arrive and are told to sack the first village and get a scope of the land Vicky and Steven are dismissed from the abbey by the monk, and they resolve to come back at night and sneak inside. The village is ambushed by the Vikings, and Edith is attacked by them. The villagers seek revenge. Some of them are killed, but Wolnoth and Eldred make their way back to the monastery. Steven and Vicky break in and track down the cell where the doctor is hidden. While the monk is distracted by the villagers, they open his cell and try to wake him up, but find a pile of furs in his place. So you may have already, uh pieced this particular trivia bit together but uh william hartnell went on vacation again <laughs> um so he doesn't show up in episode two at all there's some uh voiceover of him basically telling the monk to fuck off when he brings in the breakfast but other than that he does not appear which is maybe why this episode feels like it drags so much more than the some of the others in this story yeah because yeah i feel like it's just a lot of like meandering talking i mean like there's a lot of like when vicky and 
Steven are captured by the villagers. I mean, like, that scene feels long because they're like, we should kill them. And they're like, no, 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 no. We have no reason to. And they're like, no, we should. And, like, I don't know. It just takes forever. Even Vicky is like, will you make up your fucking mind already? Like, yeah. if you're going to do it, do it. <laughs> I, have, I have that note here. Um, but uh, I would just like to just say right now that I, I like Vicky and Steven's relationship already. They're very yes. brother and sister. And I really appreciate it. Yeah, I agree. I kind of like their. I kind of like the way they're kind of like taking shots at each other the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, Vicky has been able to loom over the fact that uh, she's from so far in the future compared to Ian and Barbara, but like now, Vicky and Steven are more like on even terms in terms of where they're from. So she no longer has that, and so now she's just kind of being called on her shit sometimes, and it's really it's kind of fun. But yeah. Vicky and Steven are captured by the villagers. <laughs> and I just, I paraphrased it, but like they kept going, oh, the villagers were arguing back and forth, back and forth, uh, or whether they were going to kill them or not. And Vicky's just like, oh my God, just let us go or kill us. Just shut the fuck up. So I don't have to listen to you either way. <laughs> and this is why Vicky is based and the best. <laughs> so I, I, I watched her and she, and she was like, uh, kill us or let us go either way, but stop arguing about it. I'm like, mood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, respect. Then they go up to the monastery, and Stephen kind of tricks the monk into revealing that he did, in, because, like, he knocks on the door, asks if he's seen the doctor, and the monk's like, Doctor Who! <laughs> and then he says, fine, I'll go ask the other monks. Uh, goes back inside, and then eventually comes back, and... Uh, and says, "Oh, so sorry. None of us have seen him. They definitely would have told me, but uh, that we haven't, we haven't seen him." And uh, Stephen's like, "Okay, but you know what? You know what to look out for." He's like, "Yes, yes, yes. A white old man, white hair, uh, checkered pants. I, I understand. Well, I will, I will let you know if I see him." And then the monk goes back into the monastery, and then it's just like a couple of beats go by, and then Vicky is like. Wait a minute, we didn't describe what the doctor looked like. I was like, Vicky, you always go along with the doctor's cons. I don't I don't like that she didn't pick up on Stevens right away. Mm-hmm. Cause she's always like right next to the doctor, just supporting his lies. It's just weird that she didn't go along with Stevens. Like it took her a minute to realize what Stevens con was. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It's seen <laughs> It seemed like a bad con anyway. Yeah, it was. Because she at least does point that out in the sense of, which is like, well, like, it was too easy. Like, it was too obvious and too easy. Like, the monk wants us to come back. Yeah, that's true. She does point that out. She points out that he doesn't seem like the type that would just fall for that. But the the Vikings attack the village. They attack the blonde one specifically, right? Because it's not like yeah. all the men are, like, out and about. And then they attack her and they come back and they see her paralyzed she she seems just like i don't know i don't know how to put it but she seems like she's in shock yeah i thought i, I thought she was dead because like she wasn't blinking yeah she she wasn't she wasn't blinking at all and yeah i absolutely thought she was dead but then just like the next scene she was talking so it was like this seems to imply something and i'm not yeah super on board with that <laughs> yeah that's what i thought too I was like mm, i really don't like the directions i'd rather she just been dead <laughs> yeah yeah, hate to, yeah. Hate to say it but can we just kill edith i don't like giving her this weird implied ptsd 
Yeah. <laughs> Isn't Ooh. this a fun sci-fi rigmarole show? Oh, yikes. Was another, again, the comedy is surprisingly good in this episode because they both, because Vicky and uh, Steven sneak into the monastery. They, because they cr- climb through a window and they both land and both of them at the same time say, follow me, and then go in opposite directions. And then Steven like turn, turns around, but Vicky doesn't. So he's just like, all right. <laughs> Again, based to Vicky. Vicky is just too badass the whole time. You can't keep up. Yeah, and then my last note is just, does this is it just me or does this story just feel empty so far? Yeah, because it does. And again, this episode in particular is super, it just drags its feet the whole time. There's even like a big sword fight. I'm like, oh my God, is this sword fight over yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they have, because the Saxons and the Vikings have the sword fight and then... Two of the Saxons go back up to the monastery because one of them got very injured. You know, this is a pretty good episode. I feel like all the good stuff to talk about happens in the second half, though. So I'm already done <laughs> with episode two. Well, let's move on to episode three, A Battle of Wits. Uh, the description is pretty sparse, but I think we have quite a bit to talk about. Vicky and Stephen find a secret pas- passage the doctor likely escaped through. The doctor makes his way back to the village, and Edith warns him about the Vikings. Vicky and Stephen head back to the TARDIS, hoping to meet the doctor there. The surviving Vikings decide to make their way toward the monastery. Vicky and Stephen make it back to the beach, only to see the whole area consumed by the rising tide. They assume the TARDIS is lost. The doctor takes the monk hostage, but is in- interrupted by the Vikings, who capture the doctor while letting the monk escape. The doctor escapes again, and the monk returns. He brags about his plans to have the beacons lit to draw the main Viking force, and the doctor holds a sword to his throat. Vicky and Stephen make their way back to the monastery and find another TARDIS disguised as a sarcophagus. The monk really sucks at picking a hideout if he didn't realize that one of his cells has a secret exit that leads directly out of the monastery. Yep. <laughs> like, I, I recognize that it probably wasn't a cell when the monastery was built. It was probably just, like, a bedroom. But he's using it as a cell. I feel like he probably should have checked for that. Yeah. There are interesting things in this episode. Um, But I don't like what the doctor does, because it's very much him, like, you know, escaping and then being like, this. it's the same thing that happened in... Here's my big critique of the whole arc. This is exactly what happened in The Reign of Terror. It's literally just them going back and forth between the beach, mm. the monastery, the beach, the mm-hmm. monastery. Yeah. Because uh, the doctor gets out, he goes to the village, and the village is like, oh yeah, your friends went that way. Goes back to the monastery, gets captured again, escapes again. Yeah, right. It's it's another game of musical chairs. So yeah, he goes back down to the village, and then he starts talking about um, how things are supposed to happen. And how it happens in the history books about Vikings and um, invading. And I'm like, hey, hey, doctor, maybe don't mention the history books talking about Vikings invading in this area to this peasant girl who has absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Because that just seems very not cool. (laughs) It would be like (laughs) if someone came up to you and was like, hey, what date is it? And you tell them and they're like... Oh, I should go. (laughs) (laughs) 
Not just, I should go, but then going into great detail about why they're leaving. This is like being in 2020 and someone be like, oh, and someone asking what year is. And you're like, oh, 2020. And they're like, oh, okay, listen. Here's the next two years of your life. 2020. What month in 2020? January? Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, we have time. <laughs> I also, this is a... De- such a stupidly small thing that I noticed, but like the monk has a progress chart that he just like pulls down that has all of the steps of, of, what he, of his plan. Yeah, of his like master scheme. He has like a check mark next to all of them. It's on this scroll with giant handwriting. <laughs> I know. I really wanted one of them to just be question mark, question mark, question mark. And then the one next to <laughs> below it is profit. <laughs> But it, it was really funny, and this is such a small thing, and I hate that I noticed it, but, like, the words progress chart were at the top of it, and that was in, like, typeface, but the rest of it was handwritten. <laughs> <laughs> so is this something, like, he switches out, like, he always has a progress chart, and then he can erase what's normally there, and then he just replaces it depending on what time period he's in? Like, how does this work? <laughs> No, he just has dozens and dozens of scrolls that say progress <laughs> report on them. It doesn't matter what period it is in. <laughs> yeah, and then, okay, I absolutely love, love the scene of when Steven and Vicky go back down to the TARDIS. And, like, they see that it's high tide and they can't see the TARDIS. Steven was like, well, he must have moved the TARDIS by piloting it somewhere else. And then Vicky is just like, oh, God, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because she's like, it can't be that. If we did that, we're stuck. We're fucking dead, dude. <laughs> That's it. We're done. Game game over. Game over, man. Game over. But she's just like crestfallen that either A, the TARDIS was taken away by the tides, in which case she's stuck here, or B, the doctor left her behind again. And Steven said, well, there's no point in moping. And Vicky, Vicky responds with, I'm not moping. You don't know what the TARDIS meant. The fact that Vicky just seriously has nothing else in her life other than the Doctor and the TARDIS is so fucking heartbreakingly consistent. Because like you saw it in the crusade when she freaks out that the Doctor might leave. You saw it in the chase where she was panicking and had to hop aboard a Dalek vessel because... She was left behind. This girl has such abandonment issues, and I want to give her a hug. (laughs) (laughs) She has no way of coping with this. (laughs) It's also one of the only really consistent things about the show, is Vicky's unending abandonment issues. Vicky's abandonment issues and uh, Susan wanting to settle down. Those Those were the two, like, consistent character arcs. That's true. I feel like they didn't bring it up as much with Susan, though. Well, they brought it up a couple times. Like, they brought it up in the Sensorites. They brought it up in... I know that there were, there were other examples. It's not just me. So, I don't remember... I mean, spoilers. Vicky eventually leaves, and I will be sad at that moment. But I don't remember how it is she leaves. And I'm wondering if it'll tie into this. I guess we'll have to find out. Yeah. And then the Doctor does, like, this thing where he, like, knocks on the door... And the monk answers it. The monk closes the door. Then he knocks on the door again. The monk answers it and like goes out to uh, investigate. And the doctor has like a stick that he like puts to the monk's back and like claims it's a gun. 
and it reminded me so much of the scene from Bandits where Bruce Willis robs a bank with a highlighter, basically doing the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it very much had the like finger gun under the shirt vibe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then like the monk does turn around and the doctor just without skipping a beat is just like, I could still beat you to death with a stick. <laughs> Frankly, you should be more terrified of the stick. <laughs> uh, someone knocks at the door, and the doctor says that he'll go. He'll go with the monk to make to make uh, sure everything's all right. And he says the word uh, and no more monkery. And I was like, ah, you could have said no more monkey business, and you squandered your <laughs> one chance. <laughs> no more monkey business. Ah, damn it. <laughs> Sorry, that's genuinely funny. <laughs> and then the the Vikings, the surviving Vikings uh, go to... The surviving Vikings are the ones who knock on the door. Um, and the original plan of theirs was to go to the monastery and receive sanctuary. I'm fairly certain you forfeit any and all rights of sanctuary if you threaten your way in. I'm no expert, yeah. but if you're holding <laughs> the, the people of the monastery hostage, I don't think it counts anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now if their plan was we're gonna go and we're gonna hold these people hostage and make them take care of us i mean one thing but like they could have also just gone up there and say hey we invoke sanctuary and then they would have been like okay come in my children and they would have been safe <laughs> they didn't have to threaten the, the quote people of the monastery but that's the decision they chose <laughs> <laughs> and then the doctor gets captured again and then basically escapes the exact same way. Yep. Actually, I actually had a note in the previous episode, because at the very top of the episode, he's uh, he uses a toaster and a grill to uh, make the doctor, like, toast and pancakes. And I was like, okay, yeah, he has a toaster and a grill, sure. But, like, what are they plugged into? <laughs> and then at the end, then my very last note of this episode was, oh, that's what they were plugged into. He just had a really long extension cord going from his TARDIS all the way out to his toaster. <laughs> of course, that all makes sense. I mean, he could have just cooked the food in his TARDIS. I mean, he could have. He chose not to, but he could have. But he really wants to live that monk life. You dig? I've been getting really into the minimalist lifestyle. The minimalist dark ages, like a disease-ridden lifestyle. It doesn't get much more minimalist than the dark ages. Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, and th that's how like Vicky and Stephen find it, right? Like They go back to the monastery and they're like, what's this big, long cable? Yeah, it's a big, long cable leading into this sarcophagus. And then they open up. The, there's like some doors in the side of the sarcophagus. And then they walk into a TARDIS. Which I think is probably one of the best cliffhangers we've had so far. It's yes. Just like a, it's just like, what the shit? The monk's got a TARDIS. <laughs> I agree. And because like, it's not, A, it's not one of those climaxes that is immediately pointless like some other ones. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it's it, it adds the real twist. Because now, now you're not just confused. You're like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I don't have anything else about this episode. Yep. Episode four, Checkmate. The Doctor, the Monk, Vicky, and Stephen all come into the new TARDIS and have a good chat about it. The Monk asks what kind of TARDIS the Doctor has, which he refuses to answer. The Monk admits that he is trying to change, change history and enrich himself by doing so. 
The doctor reprimands him, but the monk escapes when they all turn his back on him for some reason. While fighting breaks out between the Vikings and the Saxons, the doctor removes a component from the monk's TARDIS and the party leaves. The monkey returns, confident he has won, only to find a letter waiting for him. When he realizes what the doctor has done, he tries to enter his TARDIS, only to find it too small. The doctor took his dimensional unit, trapping him in 1066. The crew return to the TARDIS and dematerialize, off to a new adventure. So, uh, first of all, piece of trivia, shocking absolutely no one. Uh, the set of the monk's TARDIS is the exact same set as Doctor's, just redressed and shot from a different angle. <laughs> yep. Oh, wow. Movie magic. <laughs> but uh, it's really funny because they go into the TARDIS and like they're looting through his stuff. And uh, Vicky finds a journal uh, listing a couple of different things that he did using his time machine. And one of them was that he went and met Leonardo da Vinci and inspired him to make an airplane to try and make an airplane i like the idea that the monk changed history presumably but we remember it the way that the monk changed it to implying that it used to be something different until the monk arrived and they're like oh yeah yeah no leonardo da vinci had plans to make a airplane everybody knows that just like they were talking about in the last episode <laughs> exactly um i on that note <laughs> i the there's another journal entry where they're, she, they're like, I, he's like, I deposited five pounds in the bank and then went 200 years in the future and made a bunch of money on compound interest. And my first thought was, the bank didn't close the account in 200 years. And then what do you do? Come up and be like, yes, I'm this man. And I was like, okay, the last time you were here was 1898. <laughs> Are you sure that's you? I'm like, positive. Look at it. I'm surprised that's... Uh first thought you had caleb because i'm pretty sure that right there was just a plot to a futurama episode <laughs> it was fry finding out that he had a he's a millionaire because he had like 37 cents in his bank account in 2000 but you know what it's established that people from the 20th century live in like that's not common but it's not uncommon in futurama that's fair but i also feel like if he went so far as to have this plan he probably has like some alternate identities as like yes i am the great grandson of the guy who deposited five pounds thank you for asking i will take my inheritance now thank you <laughs> i guess i don't know i feel like it's really underestimating how much paperwork there is at banks to do stuff like that <laughs> yeah but if you know that in a couple of seconds for you it means that you're gonna be rich i can i can fill out some paperwork <laughs> i guess and I'm just over here, I'm like, what are the logistics of that? You can tell I'm turning 30 and I have kids. <laughs> I really like the monk as a villain because he has a time machine and he's just kind of doing what he wants. He's like the doctor, but somehow with less scruples. <laughs> and also, he has more control over his his TARDIS because he's able to make more precise jumps and he has a working chameleon circuit. So it's like, who are you? I'm you, but better. Basically. And by more precise, you mean actually precise and not totally fucking not random? completely <laughs> random. Yes, that's what I mean. <laughs> I also like the moment where the doctor is like, oh, yes, this is a Mark IV, isn't it? And the monk's like, yes, what kind of TARDIS do you have? And he's like, none of your business. Fuck you. <laughs> none of your goddamn business. <laughs> 
Yeah, because I, I remember um, a couple episodes ago or last episode or something, I made the analogy of a kid who doesn't know how to drive taking an old clunker and doing a cross-country tour. That's basically what uh, the doctor's doing with the time machine equivalent of it. And that is completely accurate because when you meet other time lords, they make fun of the piece of crap that the doctor is <laughs> by living <laughs> around space and time. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, the doctor even says in this episode that um, the one the monk has is 50 years newer. Yes, 50 years newer than when he uh, first left. Headcanon. The doctor just has, like, the prototype TARDIS. Stole it right off the assembly line. <laughs> And I, I kind of like how it seems at first like this episode is contradicting the established rules of time travel that we've established so far. But if you just keep thinking of it like the line from Futurama of if it turns out you were supposed to do it the whole time, for love of God, don't not do it. Thunder. Ominous. Th -th thunder. Lightning and the thunder. <laughs> if you just think of it in terms of don't mess with history unless it turns out you were supposed to. That still happens here. Because yeah. <laughs> maybe the monk was supposed to give Da Vinci the idea of an airplane. And maybe the doctor was supposed to stop the monk from destroying the Vikings. Because that that that's the monk's plan, by the way. I'm not sure if we've talked about the monk's plan. We talked about how stupid his checklist is. <laughs> we didn't actually talk about <laughs> we, had, we didn't actually talk about the checklist. <laughs> Because, again, we don't know about the history of this time period, so I'm just going to use general terms here. King comes down in order to fight an army, but then gets distracted by the Vikings and fights the Vikings. And a lot of his forces are either destroyed or so when he does eventually c come down to the battle he was originally intending to, he loses. But it's the monk's plan to destroy the Vikings. So that the king won't get distracted, he'll go back down, he'll go down south, and he will win the battle that he originally lost. That's the plan. And he has, like, a giant, like, atomic turret thing hidden in the bushes that'll just <laughs> blast the Viking ships. <laughs> like he's playing goddamn space invaders. <laughs> Which now I just want to see the monk just, like, put on one of those, like, World War One helmets. <laughs> get, like, the goggles and everything, and... Ah, <laughs> The gun doesn't actually make any noises. He makes his noise himself. Kapow! Kapow! And um, presumably he does or doesn't do that. The doctor doesn't really stop him from doing either of those things. Or stop him from doing it. He just kind of stops him from getting away with it. No, he does stop him in a way. Okay, so the monk's plan is to first light beacons so that the Vikings will land at that village as opposed to where they are supposed to land. And then he'll be able to shoot them. But the beacons don't get lit, which means the Vikings won't be able to, won't land where the monk wants him to. So his plan's already busted. But then, like, he has all of his warheads and stuff in his TARDIS, which he no longer oh, has access that, to. That's right, that's right. And I, I kind of fucking love this punishment for the monk, where he's trapped in 1066 because the doctor no longer made it bigger on the inside because he opens up the door and it's shrunk down to the size of the sarcophagus so he can't actually get in anymore i just 
really like that idea as a punishment for a Time Lord, stranding them there and making it impossible for them to access their TARDIS. Yes, uh, I, I thought that was clever and funny too. My own critique, I'm I'm a hundred percent confident the monk can still get in there. It would be a it would be a tight squeeze. I'm not denying that, but I think he could fit in there and then like hit the little buttons. I feel like it's it's one of those things where it's almost like a like a model ship in a bottle where he has to like reach into his TARDIS and like have has like a pair of tweezers to like make adjustments <laughs> to try and fix it. I feel like that's the only <laughs> way he'd be able to do it. Because his hand is the size of the TARDIS console. So it's just like, fucking, ah, I broke it. God damn it. <laughs> I don't know. It, like, it seems like his, like, shoulder, like, if he just, like, kind of turns on his side, his shoulders can clear the door. I'm not sure they can. Because, like, he goes down and, like, his head takes up almost the entire doorway. Uh, I don't know if it was the entire doorway. Most maybe of the like doorway. A, maybe, like, a third of it. <laughs> I don't know. I would have liked it to be smaller. That's all I'm saying. And then right before the end credits, it's a weird like fade in and fade out of. Yeah, like burn ins of their faces. Yeah, of Steven's face. Which, like, and okay, it's the season face. two finale. Yeah, and then Doctor's face. and Yeah. So I'm like, I guess that's their way of just like putting a like a stamp at the end of the at the end of the season. I have I've noticed that I have some notes and talking points about this episode none of them have to do with anything that actually happens in it <laughs> <laughs> did you want to share those notes or no i i've already i've already talked about them. oh we've already, we've already touched on all of them uh yeah and like this is kind of what i mean but like i think the arc in general is lower middling because it's just not bad it's just not particularly interesting <laughs> yeah and like besides like some of the zingers and the one-liners nothing really stood out to me overwhelmingly about this story yeah and it's kind of a sour note to go out on considering how like kind of awesome the chase was yeah the chase definitely felt more like a season finale than this did mm-hmm. uh because it was like big and bombastic and you know then we saw like the two like who i kind of viewed as the main characters leave yeah um so yeah so meh i don't know where i would put it probably at the 60 to 70 percent mark yeah in my rankings, I had um, I had it being in my top five, which doesn't necessarily mean anything. But well, I might I might still have it in my top five. I couldn't decide whether to put it above or below the Space Museum. But I, I had it above the Space Museum, but I think I might put it. I think I might move it to below. Yeah, I think I like the Space Museum more. Vicky didn't cause any violent revolutions in this one. That's true. And the episodes are always way cooler when Vicky just comes in and is like, "Hey, I have an idea. What if we kill everyone?" <laughs> If we kill everyone, they can't put us in the museum. <laughs> and I'm like, that's sound logic. Pretty much all I had for this episode, so final thoughts. Uh, Yeah, I pretty much said them. It's meh. <laughs> Just kind of meh. I like Steven and Vicky. I feel like the episode introduced concepts that were interesting and then did not really do anything with them. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, liked, the epi- I liked the episode, but it was very... Anything that I did like about it was very back-heavy. It had way too slow of a start before it picked up part of me wants to say that the monk might be my new favorite villain because it's hard to say because anything that makes the monk cool is definitely in the last at the in the tail end of this whereas my previous favorite villain Tatoxel, was strong throughout his story oh i think Tatoxel is an infinitely better villain i mean like the monk's fine but maybe i just more i like the the idea of the monk 
more than anything he actually did. Yeah, I do like the idea of a villain Time Lord, but I, I stay tuned. Would like to see a better executed one. Well, you're in luck. <laughs> oh well, good job. Spoilers, jeez. I do like that we've finally uh, ass- assembled my favorite TARDIS team of this era because it's refreshing to just have the entire crew be characters that I can be like, yes, I like these people. There's no one who I'm like, eh, about. I'm like, yes, I like Vicky, I like Steven, and the Doctor has gotten better, so I like him too. He, he is less of an asshole now, and more of just a smarmy old man. I'm really excited to, I feel like we should just do a whole episode when we switch Doctors to just talking about the Doctor in that era. Oh, I have that planned. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, no, I have, like, I have, I I really have that wanna, scheduled. I really want to talk about how... <laughs> The Doctor goes from uh, basically almost being flagrantly fucking evil just to being, like, mildly lovable. <laughs> yeah, I have it planned so that uh, we will do that the Friday after the last, like, William Hartnell's last episode. So, like, his last episode will go up on Monday, and then our Doctor retrospective will go on Friday. Oh, okay, great. That's how I have it, how I have it planned in my notes, anyway. I will not tell you when that episode will go up because then it'll give you an idea of how long we have <laughs> and i want it to be as much of a surprise as it can be well that's it for this episode guys uh if you liked it you can give us a follow uh, on twitter at quick trip dw and you can follow mac and i at mac the Meh and clb underscore clark you can listen to this podcast on all the major networks like spotify apple podcasts google podcasts and yeah and subscribe and rate if you feel if you're feeling saucy oh yes please please uh give us five stars uh on your favorite podcast site and uh leave a comment and share with your friends that's the best way to support us right now we might read any five star reviews we get it'll be a while before your review gets (laughs) gets read because at the moment we are six episodes ahead of what's currently being published (laughs) (laughs) but we will get to them we promise yes just gotta wait time's complicated so join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we watch the last episode produced by verity lambert in galaxy four But speaking of when he goes back down to the village. Oh, shit. Amber alert. No, it's a tornado warning. Oh, yikes. Anyway. If I suddenly cut out. It's because I'm dead. Um, (laughs) Yeah.